All right, well, welcome to H2O. My name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are really excited. As you can see from that bumper video, we are jumping into a three-week series that we're calling How to Be Rich. So if you're newer to H2O, welcome. It is great to have you here with us today. And even as we're starting off uh, with that series, and we're calling the series How to Be Rich, I think it's important to emphasize and recognize something right at the very beginning of this message. If you hear that, How to Be Rich title, you might be thinking, okay, we're going to be talking about money, we're going to be talking about finances, and some of us get especially uptight when we come to church, especially, and we hear that we're going to be talking about money, because many of us, we kind of think, oh man, is there some like ulterior motive, is there something going on where people are going to ask me to do something with my money that I may not be excited about doing, and so I think if you're in that boat, we just want to let you know that you can kind of take a deep breath and relax because the the beautiful thing about the Bible is the Bible talks about real issues that every single one of us deals with. And Jesus himself, actually maybe you've heard this before, but Jesus himself talked about money and finances and used money examples more than any other topic in the rest of the Bible. Isn't that crazy to think about that that Jesus himself addressed this very issue so oftentimes? And I think the reason that Jesus did so oftentimes address money is because he recognized and he knew, after all, he is God. uh, Jesus knew that, that our finances and our faith are not separate things. In fact, they're very interrelated. And you can tell a lot about somebody's relationship with God and what they value in their life by looking at their checkbook, by looking at their banking account. And so Jesus was oftentimes talking about this topic, not because he wanted people's money, not because he wanted to get something from them, but because he cared about them. And he cared about their hearts and he valued them and he valued their relationship with God. And he knew that those two things were completely interrelated instead of separate. And so as a church, that's why it's important for us to dive into and talk about the topic of money, talk about the topic of finances, and see what is God's perspective and how can we have a biblical understanding of how to view money. Really, that's what today is all about as we lay the foundation for this series. And we're calling this series How to Be Rich, right? And so there's that word in there, rich, that is a tricky concept in a lot of ways, isn't it? Because that word rich is a word that gets thrown around on a lot of different levels. You think about maybe when you were a kid. I know for myself when I was a kid, I thought maybe when I get old, and I don't think I was a greedy kid, but it's just something that you get fascinated with. They're like, maybe when I get old, I'll be rich. Wouldn't it be awesome to be rich? And we have uh, we had this show when I, I grew up in the 80s for you guys who are college students. And we had this show. I think it's actually made a comeback. It's called Richie Rich. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen it. Oh, man, it was such a cool show. And this kid... Um, he was like a rich kid, Richie Rich. And so he would go about his life and he would get into all these different, you know, interesting situations. And in the backdrop of every single show was like his butler and his mansion. And he always had the coolest gadgets, which at that time in the early 80s was like, a computer, you know, and everyone was like, he has a computer. Wow. Not a laptop computer, like one of the big, massive things that probably took forever. Not an internet connection, just a computer. And we thought that was so cool. And then he had like an early cell phone, car phone thing. Maybe you guys saw those, like on the Saved by the Bell, and it's like this big, and he would put it up on the side of his head and talk, and we'd be like, that phone doesn't have a cord in it. That is amazing. And how is it so small as he holds it up, you know, beside his head? 
So as I was watching Richie Rich, I was like, man, that would be cool to be that kid, to have all those gadgets. I wonder what it would be like to be rich. Maybe you had that thought as you were growing up. Maybe you have that thought now. And as you get older, you realize it doesn't always work out that way. I'm probably never going to be as rich as Richie Rich was, but uh, we all know rich people, right? Maybe we don't feel like we're rich, but we at least know rich people. We see a lot of rich people. Maybe you're related to somebody who's rich. Maybe you're rich yourself. If you're like mega rich, if you want to stand up and just let us know, um, that'd be great. Nobody? Okay. Um, And so uh, we, we think about this concept a lot. You know, and here's the really funny thing about rich people, okay? Nobody wanted to stand up and and admit they're rich because we like to judge rich people, don't we? Just be really 100% completely honest with yourself. If you know somebody who's pretty rich, deep in your heart a lot of times you're like, man, if I was that rich, I'd probably do a little bit better job of being rich, you know? I would spend their money, which would be my money, in a way that was a little bit better. I would definitely be more generous, you know? I wouldn't have to have everything that they have to have. If we're really honest a lot of times, deep down, we judge rich people, and we think we would be better rich people than them, don't we? We're calling this series, How to Be Rich. And it's even more funny because a lot of people, they dream about being rich, but once people become rich, oftentimes they're embarrassed of it because of that very fact. They know that people are looking around, oftentimes judging them. And another thing that's interesting about rich people, really interesting, is a lot of times rich people don't know they're rich. Have you ever noticed that? Like somebody who goes about living their life and, and, and they don't even know that they're rich. They don't even think that the amount of money that God has blessed them with is actually making them rich. Because here's the interesting thing, okay? I want you to think about this today. The interesting thing about being rich is it is a perceived reality, isn't it? Being rich is like a perceived reality because there's no like rich line that you can look at and say, oh, okay, well, that's, that's the rich line. You know, I get paid on the 15th of each month, and so as soon as I get paid, I'll cross from just being middle class into being rich. There's no rich line that we've established that says that person is rich and that person isn't rich. I was hanging out with my son, Sam. He's a nine-year-old, and the kids at school, they have all these conversations because we think about it, right? And so they were sitting around the lunch table talking about who is rich and who is poor. And so Sam came uh, to to dinner, and he was sitting down talking with us, and he's like, Dad, um, you know, we were talking about who's rich and who's poor, and is there like a certain amount that you have to have? You know, like, is there a number that you have to have? What's the number that you need to hit to be rich? Because I want to know what it is so that when we're talking about who's rich and who's poor, I can kind of have a feel. What's the number? Is there a certain number that you have to have? And I'm like, buddy, actually, there's not. There's not a certain number. I'll tell you the rest of the answer that I gave him here in a minute, but there's not a certain number. There's a perceived reality about richness. And so as a foundation for today, going into this series, I want to try to help us to define what it is to be rich, right? Because if we're going to talk about how to be rich, and especially how to be rich in what matters most, we need to know what it is to be rich. And so uh, to try to define that, I did a little bit of research. Now, this is, this is pretty fascinating. This is really interesting. It kind of proves what we were just talking about. Uh, there was this group, the Gallup group, and they did a bunch of research on what people perceived to be rich. And so the first group of people they started off asking was people who made $30,000 a year. So they asked this group of people who made $30,000 a year, how much does it take to be rich? 
So these people were making 30000 They asked them the question, what would it take for you to be rich? And the average response for those people was $74,000 a year. Okay, so if I pretty much double what I'm making, if I make 30000 a year and I get up to $74,000 a year, then I would be rich. Now, some of us in here are going, yeah, you know, that's, that sounds like a lot of money. I can't imagine making $74,000 a year. Others of us were sitting here and going, let me tell you something, that's not that rich. You know, once you add kids in, once you add braces in, once you add, you know, car insurance in and you travel sports, I mean, $74,000 a year doesn't go all that far. You might be comfortable, but you might not be rich. But that was a perceived reality for this group of people. Second group of people made $50,000 a year, okay? So they asked this group of people, $50,000 a year, how much does it take to be rich? Their answer was it takes $100,000 to be rich. If I just double my income, if I got into the six-figure category, then I would be rich. If I started making 100, and again, some of us are like, $100,000, yeah, that's definitely rich. And others of us are like, again, it's comfortable, but I don't know if I would call it rich. I mean, there's a lot of expenses that come up in life. Then the final group of people, they made $200,000 a year or more, okay? So they were in the rich category from everybody else, but they asked them, how much does it take to be rich? I think their answer was, you think it was $200,000? No, $5 million. $5 million is how much it takes to be rich. Okay, so you get the point. Rich for most of us is always having a little bit more, maybe having about double of what we have. No matter what you have, you view richness as having to somehow double what you have. And then if you had that much, that mythical number, whatever it might have been, then you would be rich. Okay, I want to share some really good news with every single one of us here today. As we start off on this series, How to Be Rich, here's the really good news. It's transformative news. It will literally like change your life if you believe it and own it and start to think about it. You are rich. You're actually rich. Like literally every single one of us here. There might be one or two except, but almost every single one of us. Raise your hand if you're the exception, right? No, every single one of us here. We're rich. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, you're rich because you have friends or you have nice people. No, I'm talking about like financially. <laughs> Every single one of us is rich. Think about it with me here for a minute. Because if we believe this and if we understand this, it will change the way that we view money and it will change the way that we live because the Bible has some really specific advice to rich people. Think about this. If you're a parent here, right? and you have kids, think about the opportunities that your kids have. Even if you wouldn't say, man, I have a ton of money, think about the opportunities that your kids have, right? They get to go to some of the best schools in the world with some of the best teachers in the world. They get to have libraries and books that they can easily go to and access. They can go to zoos oftentimes. They can be part of activities oftentimes. They are rich just by nature of where you find yourself living. We're rich. Think about many of us. We have automobiles, right? We have cars. Not everybody, but a lot of us. We have cars. If you own a car, even if it's a junker, if you own a car, you're in the top 3% of the wealthiest people in the world if you own a car. Okay, think about that. 
Let that resonate with you. Seven billion people in the world, you're in the top 3% of the richest people in the world if you own a car, even if it's a piece of junk that doesn't always run. Now, some of us, we not only have cars, we have decent cars that run all the time. And then when they break down, we can take them to somebody and then they can fix them. And then others of us, we have so much money that instead of washing our cars ourselves, we take it through this machine that's like a, it sprays water and soap on it. And you don't even have to wash it yourself. You pay $5 or whatever, and it washes the car for you. And then others of us, the really rich people in here, we have houses for our cars. Can you believe that? It's called a garage. Yeah. And you pull your car into this garage and the snow doesn't get on your car. And it's amazing. I have one of those. Man, it's so cool. (laughs) Think about the reality of how much of a blessing that is. Others of us, maybe we don't have a car, you have smartphones, right? You can get in contact with anybody around the world instantaneously through this little device in your hand. And it's revolutionary. And it's literally an opportunity that so few people in this world have. And almost everybody in here has it. Maybe you're here and you're like, no, I'm a poor college student. You know, I'm just working through college. And and I understand that, of course. But do you know that only 7% of people in the world get the opportunity to go to college? So you're in the top 7% of people in the world. Okay, what are we doing? We're laying a foundation here for the reality that we need to view ourselves as rich. Instead of looking at other people and saying, man, if I had their money, I would manage it much better. In our exact situation where we are, of course some of us have more finances than others, but in our exact situation that we find ourselves sitting in here right now in this very moment, Don't look at somebody else and say, I would handle it much better. Look into your own heart. Look into your own life. Look at what God has blessed you with, with what God has entrusted you with, and recognize and realize that you are rich. Now, here's the really cool thing. And I don't think we always talk about this as much as we should in the church. Ecclesiastes 5, 19. It says this, it says, moreover, Solomon was right, and he was a really rich guy. It says, moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possession and the ability to enjoy them and to accept their lot and be happy with their toil, this is a gift of God. So if you have wealth, if you have a car, if you have a house for your car, whatever you have, Solomon says, you don't have to feel guilty about that. You don't have to beat yourself up over that. You don't have to pay penance over that. You can actually own that and do what? Say, this is a gift from God. God, you've been so gracious to me. God, you have blessed me with so much. Every single one of us should just stop right now and take a minute and soak that in. If you are here now in this community, in this world, you are probably rich. Soak that in and say, God, thank you. Even just in the quietness of your heart right now, thank you for the opportunities that you've blessed me with, for the resources that you've blessed me with. Yes, I am rich. And yet many of us were ashamed of that blessing right? Many of us are ashamed of the blessing of being rich. Like we said, we didn't have anybody stand up when we asked if anybody is mega rich, but actually probably all of us could have stood up when we asked that question, couldn't have we? 
And, and isn't it funny that, that the financial blessing that we all have is oftentimes the one we're most ashamed of, you know? Like even Sam, when he asked me that question when we were sitting around the dinner table, he said, Dad, what number does it take to be rich? And I said, well, there's not actually a number. And then he says, well, who's rich? And I, thinking through this lens, I said, buddy, you're not going to believe this. We're rich. We're, we're actually rich. And then my second thing was, now don't go tell people that, right? right? I mean, I don't want people to think that we're actually rich, but we are, you know, because we're embarrassed about, do we treat other blessings that way? Like if you have a great marriage and a great relationship with your spouse, would you say, hey, um, you know, Sam, make sure you don't tell people that mom and I really love each other and actually get along pretty good, you know? Make sure that people think that there's something going on behind. No, we're like, hey, it's great. It's been a blessing. Our marriage is a blessing, we can celebrate that. Your health, oh, my health is really good. Well, I don't want anybody to know that, you know. No, we, we give God glory when we're blessed in almost every other area. But financially, a lot of times, we're like, oh, I don't want anybody to know because they might think that I'm greedy. Listen, it's not a sin for God to bless you. But it does become a problem when we take that blessing and we make it about ourselves, doesn't it? It becomes a problem when we take that blessing and we become greedy instead of using that blessing to bring God glory as we go about our lives. Now, just really quick, before we jump into the passages of Scripture we're going to look at here today, I want to say this. I know some of us, as you're listening, some of us might even be a little bit skeptical here. Some of us may say, that's fine, you know, but that's really not me. You don't know my lot in life. Maybe you're thinking I'm paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you're thinking I'm working a couple jobs just to get by. And of course, we want to be sensitive to that because we know that many of us find ourselves in that situation. But I, I want to try to just transform our mind, even for those of us who are in that situation, who, who don't feel rich or don't look at our circumstances and, and find ourselves being able to resonate with that idea. I, I want to, to humbly say this. I, I honestly believe for the most part in our world and in the place that we find ourselves with, we don't have a money problem or an opportunity problem. We have a consumption problem, don't we? If you really think about it, we don't have a money problem or an opportunity problem. We have a consumption problem because we believe that we deserve a certain amount of things. I mean, again, think about it again. 71% of the world lives on less than $10 a day. 71% of the world. So if you make $300 a month or more, and I know even most college students, you can at least get a job that you can make that much, then you're in the top 30% of the richest people in the world. When we were in Guatemala, we've talked about this before, but I went down there with our team over spring break, and, and one of the things that I'd heard about but I hadn't seen, and it brought me to tears when I saw it, because the first day we walked into Guatemala City in the largest dump in, in Central America is there, and there are about 5,000 people who just dig through the dump day after day to make their living from anything that they can scavenge from that dump. And they make maybe one or two dollars a day, maybe three dollars a day. That's poverty. And when you see something like that, it really changes your perspective about what God has blessed you with. So here's how I wanted to find rich. If God has blessed you with more than you need to survive, if God has blessed you with more than you need for, for basic survival, then you are rich. If you have more than you need just to, to get by, 
If you, if you have a phone, if you have a if you have more than you need, then you are rich. You may not be as rich as the person next to you, but you are rich. So here's the big idea. You cannot be rich and ungrateful at the same time. You can't be rich and ungrateful at the same time because remember, this series isn't just called How to Be Rich. It's called How to Be Rich in the Things that Matter Most. And so if you truly want to be rich, if you want to live a life full of richness, not just with our money, but the lifestyle that we live, the mindset that we have, the relationships that we have, then you cannot be rich and ungrateful at the same time. To be rich truly in what matters most requires us to deflect the credit to, from ourselves and, and point it towards God. Ungratefulness and true richness are in complete opposition from one another. So I want to look at this passage with the time that we have left. It's uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And, and Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, who's his like, young protege. And he's writing this letter to Timothy. And in the very end of this letter, he gives some advice for rich people, us, right? He gives some advice for rich people about how to view what God has blessed them with. So let's open up there if you have a Bible. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. And Paul says this. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world, us, Sit there, soak that in. You may not have had that thought when you came here this morning. I hope that you're owning that now. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Man, what a beautiful passage for rich people to be warned about and to think about. Paul doesn't make people feel guilty. He doesn't shame them. He just says, hey, listen, if you're poor, you're going to have a certain set of problems in life. And if you're rich, you're going to have another set of opportunities and you're going to have another set of things that you need to watch out for. And so I want to tell you how to view your life and money, knowing that you might be one of those people that's rich. So I want to look at these three things that Paul says in that passage. All right. First, he says this to all of us who are rich. He says, be humble. First thing he tells us is to be humble. Did you catch that? He says, command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope into wealth. He says, don't be arrogant. In other words, don't think that you have opportunities or money or finances because of yourself. Now, yes, you may have worked hard. Yes, you may have been faithful. You may have lived beneath your means for a long time and invested. All those things are great. And I think those things are extremely important. Whatever you've done, that's not diminishing the reality that you may play some type of role in it. But ultimately, you have to recognize that everything you have is a gift from God. Your talent. Your ability, the year you were born in, the place you were born in, the family you were born into, the air you breathe, everything you have comes from God. 
Tim Keller, uh, author and pastor, he said something along the lines of, uh, I'm oftentimes tempted to believe I'm not poor because of myself. But when I really think about it, that's pride. Because God has blessed you and put you in the situation. And oftentimes we partner with God in that, but God must get the credit. Be humble about the fact that God has blessed you. Think about this. Every blessing that we don't turn back to praise towards God has the potential to turn into pride. Every single blessing that we don't turn back into praise and say, no, actually that wasn't because of me. That was because of God. It has the potential to turn into pride. And so for those of us who are rich, we have to be grateful. We have to be thankful. We can't take the credit for ourselves. We have to point it to God and say, it's only because of him and his blessing and his provision. And as we do, it changes the way that we view money. And money stops having a hold and a grip on us. And we just see it as a tool instead of something that we need more and more and more of. So be humble. Second, Paul says this. He says, use your riches to do good. That's our second point. Use your riches to do good. Verse 18, command them to do good and to be rich in what? In good deeds. To be generous and willing to share. You realize there's a reason why God has blessed you the way that he has blessed you? And it's not just for yourself. And it's not just to have the, the cool cell phone like Richie Rich had. It is because God wants to use that blessing to bless others. See, when God gives us a financial blessing, it's not ours. We're just like stewards of it, right? We're just borrowing it for a short amount of time. And God is entrusting it with us so that we can use it to do good for other people. When we think about money, uh, I heard this analogy not too long ago, and I thought it was a great analogy for so many things in life, but specifically for money. Uh, we were down at the seminary class, and this professor was talking about this stick of dynamite. You know, he's like, picture a stick of dynamite and, and picture the power that it has and how much damage it can do or how much good it can do. You know, he said, if you get the right person and you know exactly where to put it, you can put it in the side of a mountain. You can place it just right. You can light that thing on fire and you can literally change the landscape of a mountain. You can change the landscape of, of, of the hillside. You can do so much with a stick of dynamite and it can make such an impact. And it can literally change things. He said, you can also light it on fire, throw it up in the air, and if you have a strong wind, that thing goes off 50 feet in the air, five minutes from then, you'll never even know that it existed. The wind will blow the smell away. It won't have made any impact at all. It will just be a loud boom that eventually just blows away. And never have an impact, never make a significant change. The same piece of dynamite has the opportunity to change things or just to be forgotten in a few minutes. And as we think about that, we think about our money, we think about our richness, we think about what God has blessed us with. Paul tells us, do good. Be rich in good deeds. Use your money that God has blessed you with to bless other people and then point the credit back to him. Don't point it towards yourself. Point the credit back to him. 
And I want to do that as an individual, and I want us to do that as a church. When we think of collectively, how can we bless other people? We want to be a church that's generous. We want to be a church that continues to to support what God is calling us to do. We want to make an impact with the way that God has blessed us and made us rich. He says, use your riches to do good. And then third and finally, he says this. The third and final point is this, live and think eternal. Live and think eternally. Verse 19, in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age that they may take hold of life that is truly life. We know this, right? But the things that we collect in this world are not going with us. In fact, the things that we collect in this world, this phone that I have sitting right here in five years is going to be a piece of junk and not even worth anything, right? Now it's pretty cool to many of us. That's Android. A lot of you guys wouldn't like it, but you get the point. (laughs) You get the point, right? This is nothing 10 years from now. It's just like an artifact that people laugh at and think, ha, we used to think those were cool. Time changes so Fast and the things that we have that we may be pretty enamored with and fascinated with in the moment, very short time in the grand scheme of eternity, will mean nothing. Literally nothing. So Paul says, invest in a firm foundation, treasure up things that will make an eternal impact. Jim Elliott is an amazing missionary who gave his life for the gospel in the jungles of Ecuador. If you've never read his story, go Google Jim Elliott and read about him. He's just an amazing man that inspired the faith of so many. He says this. He says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. He was talking about his very life. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep can't even keep your life, can you? And he laid it down for the gospel. Gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Eternal life. Eternity with Jesus. Isn't that what we all long for in the depths of our heart? And so as we think about our, our money, as we think about what God has gifted us with, how can we use it to invest in things that actually matter? that will actually make an impact, that will be eternal. See, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us the similar thing that Paul told us. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says, listen, as you're going about your life, look for ways to make an eternal impact. Do things that are actually going to matter even when you're still not here. That's what you want to invest your life into. That's what you want to invest your money into. That's what you want to invest your finances into. Think about this. We trade our money and our finances when we're living through the lens of the gospel. We trade our money and our finances for experiences that matter We trade our riches for opportunity to share the love of Christ with others. Isn't that an amazing exchange? 
We look for ways to use our money and our finances to share the love of Christ with other people. We invest in gospel-centered opportunities, whether it's the church that we're a part of, whether it's ministries that are showing people the love of Christ, whether it's sitting down and buying somebody dinner. It can look a lot of different ways, and we'll give some ideas for that throughout this series. But the point is that our heart is saying, how can I take what God has blessed me with and use it to invest in things that actually matter? You know, the end of the day, our lives are here and gone so fast. It's something that I think about so often. And I want to be somebody who looks back at the end of my life and says, God, I invested what you gave me in something that's going to outlive me. I invested what you gave me in something that is going to make an eternal impact. That's what it means to be rich in the things that matter most. We trade our treasures here on earth for treasures in heaven that truly point people to Christ. So every single one of us, as we're sitting here today, can recognize God has blessed us and made us rich. And we don't need to feel guilty about that, but we have a great responsibility. We have a great ownership. And the question is, how do we be rich in a way that brings God the most glory, the most honor, and the most praise? We're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. But my prayer and our heart for you is as you're thinking on that this week, that you would start to look at the way that you're viewing your money and saying, God, is this what's going to actually matter? Is this something that's going to make an eternal impact? Am I storing up treasures in heaven or am I storing up treasures here on earth? So let's pray and let's invite the band to come back up and lead us in worship.